Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hey everybody, welcome to this special edition of the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. We're doing a live broadcast today with Captain Vince Pierleone from Thrill Seeker Sport Fishing. Vince fishes Lake Ontario and the Niagara River from the New York side. Vince, thanks for joining the show today. No problem, Chris. Hey, let's talk. We're going to talk about seasonal movements of trout and salmon, uh, specifically in on uh, Lake Ontario. But before we get into that, you just kind of give people an idea of who you are and what you do and, and, and a little bit about your charter as well. Uh, I've been a full-time charter captain uh, for almost 40 years. I started in uh, 1984, and um, it's been a fascinating fishery for sure. And I, I've been able to witness a lot of changes in the fishery, and that was some of the things I wanted to touch on um, because I'm getting questions based on what happened last spring. But it, for me, I can pretty much have a feeling for what's going to happen going into the spring, particularly with king salmon, which is the uh, the hot fish all over the Great Lakes when it's available. And uh, so that that was really what I was going to open with is uh, just talking about how I how I know where we're at with salmon and and what I've observed changing over the years, and um, you know how I can predict a little bit what's going to go on here this spring. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that. We're definitely definitely want to have you get into that. But just tell me a little bit about the the port that you're fishing out of, uh, the boat that you're using. Just a little bit about your your charter as well, and kind of how you do business. Okay, the the, the core boat is a, a fisherman, and uh, that's that's a workhorse. It goes practically every day. And then I also have a, a 33 pursuit, which we run some charters on, and we use for tournaments. And then I also have an aluminum boat that I run in the Niagara River. And uh, so we're a year-round operation, a full-time operation. And um, uh, it's just been a, a labor of love over the years. It's, uh, I grew up near the lake. Um, and let's just say when I was a young child, it was nothing like it is now. Um, it, it, most of the old timers, would say it's not worth fishing that lake. And now we have people driving and flying in here from all over the world to fish. So uh, it's just been uh, wonderful to see this happen in, in my lifetime. Yeah, let's talk, let's get into kind of the main topic now, Vince. You wanted to talk kind of seasonalities and, and how things have progressed. Tell me a little bit about kind of what you're thinking this year is shaping up to look like. You said you wanted to kind of make some predictions and go based on what you're seeing. Tell me a little bit about your observations and kind of where you think we're headed this year. Sure. So with Pacific salmon, temperature is a, is a huge factor. Um, but one of the things that has proven to be false is I can remember listening to biologists in the 80s, and they told us that anything below 39 degrees was lethal to Pacific salmon. And uh, we, what we're seeing right now all over the Great Lakes is uh, an adaptation. Um, I think it's primarily the naturalized salmon, but uh, Chinook salmon now are, they're, they're, they're fished through the ice in uh, parts of Lake Huron. So uh, they've certainly adapted, especially the naturalized fish. And what we used to consider was too cold of water is slowly changing. And the temperatures that that I have seen over the years that kickstarts the Chinook salmon is a 40 degree mark. Um, but I've seen that back up to even 38 degree water now. Um, so going into this season, People were expecting similar to what happened last spring, which was at this time already, there was Chinook salmon action up and down the lake. And we had practically a non-existent winter. People thought that was going to happen again this year. But when we did get winter, we got a real intense blast. And we actually did get ice on Lake Erie, although it didn't last long and it came down and it's gone. Um, it was enough to definitely chill the water. So 
the river hasn't become a magnet yet. When I say the river, I'm saying the Niagara River, which has an effect on the entire fishery in Lake Ontario, but Pacific salmon in general will gravitate toward the Niagara flow, especially when it, when it warms up. So if it's colder than other areas of the lake, and that happens some springs here, you will see the, the, the very sought after Chinook salmon will be pursued in those areas. And one area that seems to happen annually is the west side of the Niagara River, but also um, the area around Rochester and also Oswego can be good early in the spring. Um, you know, if those areas are warming up because of the big rivers coming in, uh, they'll attract spring salmon too. So on a really, really hard winter, it's not uncommon for the Niagara area to be slow to develop where other areas are, are kick-started by warm flows coming out of those major rivers. And the, that's really what triggers it is that big change in the temperature. And then eventually the bait fish movements. But what we're seeing is the, the Chinook salmon will actually anticipate that. And, and I notice that it's a lot of the mature fish that show up early. Um, the first one I know of out of my port of Alcott, it was caught yesterday and it was a 20 pound fish. And the, and the guy was just running uh, flat lines with, with stick baits for brown trout. So they're prowling, they're looking early and uh, they're not gonna settle for just anything. They will eat emerald shiners, but their primary forage is alawise and smelt. Very cool. There are some people popping on just saying hi to you on Facebook, but just want to let everybody know we're going to do the same thing we did on the Great Lake, the virtual Great Lakes Fishing Show. Please ask some questions for Vince, and we're going to pick kind of the question of the show today, and they're going to get a little bit of swag package from Fishhawk Electronics. So if you've got questions on trout and salmon movements, please put them in the comments, and we'll we'll ask Vince those questions during the show here. Vince, you talked a little bit about things happening. Someone already caught a, a king salmon yesterday. Where do you see things progressing as far as salmon go in the next 30 days in your area? So I'm not very far from the, the Canadian line here, but it might as well be a million miles away with what we've got going on with the border and all that. But uh, they are catching Chinook salmon there. It is quite typical. It's, it's, it's a little bit more of a basin area and it warms up fast and the river water will trap that warm water. The Niagara River water actually is a fence when it's coming down colder than the water over there. So that gets that gets cranking a little bit earlier and they're starting to catch some uh, of the mature salmon that everybody likes to catch. But as soon as that water hits 40, 41 degrees, uh, that, that bar will become an attractor where that Niagara enters Lake Ontario. And the structures there, the bait will be flocking in and out of that river. There's already smelt in the river. There'll be more and more coming with a migration up the river. And then, of course, we have the alawives that follow that up. So with all the new anglers that are getting involved in the fishery, we got a lot of really nice trailerable aluminum rigs. Um, they're, they're taking advantage of the salmon fishing on, on Lake Ontario, but also the walleye fishing on Lake Erie. And they don't quite understand why, you know, they caught a salmon last year on March 27th, but this year, you know, I got my same lures on and, and I, I'm get people are reaching out to me and they're saying, well, how come I got them, but not this year, you know, and it's just, it's a, it's going to take a little bit longer, but it's certainly not like when we have a real, real hard winter. When we have a real hard winter, the amount of the 39 degree water that sinks to the bottom is, um, is much smaller. So that is going to be in a smaller area and it's going to be deeper because more of the lake got super chilled. And in order to survive, they're going to, they're going to stay in that water that sunk deep, but that's also where the, their preferred alewives are. So it's going to take longer for them to make their move to the shallows where brown trout are readily available, that they're, they're more than happy with the emerald shiners and the gobies that are in there and certainly lake trout. So when I, when I answer an angler like that, he's saying, how come I'm just catching um, lake trout? Because the salmon weren't even there. It's nothing you didn't do wrong. You, it's nothing you did wrong. So the same tactics that you're just catching lake trout right now, 
uh, it could even be as little as a week from now, you'll be catching um, salmon. So what do you tell that guy if he's out chasing salmon, he's catching Lakers because that's just where his, his stuff is set up. What do you tell that guy? How do you go out and find those fish if he wants to shift into salmon mode? And right now all he's doing is finding Lakers. What do you do when you're in that situation? You want to go out and, and find the Chinook? So something that, that we often can't do, you know, as a, as a full-time charter boat is to go ultra deep and find that warmer water. And I don't believe it's very far out this year because we didn't have a tremendously uh, cold winter. So the lake didn't get super chilled. In fact, it's just the opposite right now. There's a lot of 39 degree water and there's pockets setting up now where I would probably emphasize uh, hitting, hitting those rim mouth areas, maybe a little deeper than where you find the brown trout. Um, other years where I've seen the, this type of thing, you might want to fish 20, 15 to 20 foot of water instead of that six to eight foot of water. You're going to have a better opportunity at hooking into those first few salmon that are coming in to feed. But other than that, if you're not going to do that and you want to look for those fish, they're going to be ultra deep on the bait. And, you know, you're going to need special equipment to do that. You're going to need, you know, uh, heavier, heavier downrigger balls and, and things like that. And of course, you know, we're here, uh, we're here with Fishhawk, and and that's going to be an invaluable tool if you start pitching deep like that. You're you're going to be in a totally different ballpark of speed of what you're doing at the surface. So, if someone wanted to do that and get out there and 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 look for them before they start moving in, that would be my suggestion. But we're on the verge of a lot right now. Just got to get through this next cold snap, and the water temp is so close. So I, I think you're going to hear, you know, just just taken right off so you're saying be patient that's your advice right now to them be patient i mean we're still in march tomorrow's april 1st um there i have seen years where the the really good bite didn't for again we're talking mature salmon that everybody's trying to catch um mid-may because it was such a cold winter and the water just wasn't right and then last year we go out in the beginning of april and and salmon were were available so uh, it's not going to be the same every year. Uh, it's going it's going to be year to year, and there's going to be areas that, based on how that winter was, that could profit from that. You know, the the deepest section of the lake is, you know, between um, uh, the roster area over towards Oswego. So more eastern eastern salmon action could actually happen on on those years. So eventually, that area we talked about you know, the Niagara region is going to be chock full of fish because of the, that is just such a, a massive flow coming into the, the lake. Someone uh, asked here at Scott William Hassan asks, uh, Vince, what's your rigor depth like if the thermocline is at 80 feet, for example? He, he adds he loves his X4. So if the thermocline's at 80 feet, so I'm going to assume that he's, he's saying that that's where it breaks, the top of the break. Um, I, I'm definitely going to have some stuff up there. You're not for the newer guys that might be listening to us. You're not really going to get a thermocline uh, till mid mid June at least on an early spring, more like the end of June, early July. But once you get a thermocline, um, like like we open the show, they're getting more and more adaptable. So we're catching fish out of cold water and warmer water. And that does change throughout the season as well. So, yeah, we're pulling fish out of 40 degrees even in the middle of the summer. So that's uh, you, you just got to keep an open mind and, and use your uh, electronics and, and see where your targets are. And then also hit the top of that thermocline where it breaks from super warm water. And they'll be actively feeding fish up there, too, because it's, you know, that's where the nutrients are and the bait will go up there to feed. So. You know, you, you just got to, you know, it's a combination of your past experience plus what your electronics are telling you. So we're kind of working our way through April, kind of that early spring mode. Let's kind of transition into that May to early June. What are the fish doing at that time of year? So that's another thing that's changed. We used to, we used to have a... Uh, a name for that time of year it was more like mid-june and everybody was like transitions coming transitions coming well 
I don't know if it's the the contribution from from naturalized Chinooks that we're getting or or what it is, but we have very good fishing in June now. Um, so I'll, some of that is the migration and the, and the seasonal movements of the fish. You just got to know what they're going to do. So those fish that start on the western end of the lake and off the Niagara Bar, they're not all, all going to stay there. Okay, the, the mature fish have an agenda. It's, it's their whole purpose in life is to reproduce and provide food for not only us, but, but predators in general where, where they're native. Um, so they're going to be putting the feedback on big time in the spring, right through the summer, and they'll move as they do that. And depending on what rivers they're destined to hit, um, that's where you get your movements from. So what we see on our South Shore, the, the, the western end, the South Shore, is when fish move off that Niagara bar, we'll, we'll hear of a big bite off of Toronto. So those fish have, have pushed out and pushed out and pushed out right across the lake. And then we'll also have fish moving down the, the south shore to the east. So maybe maybe the bite slowed a little bit in one area, but you'll hear about a big bite going on in, in let's say, east of Oak Orchard. So those fish are, are migrating, but they're still stopping. And, and with stability, with good weather pattern, they'll stay there a while and, and you can you can beat on them for days before they make another move. Um, but usually the big moves uh, happen with a wind event and it's year to year whether the fish come back to that area or not. We always like to say, well, those weren't our fish. Those weren't imprinted to our harbor. You know, when that when that happens, you get a big blow and you lose the fish. Um, where uh, we do know that the Salmon River is a big, uh, big provider of natural fish. So we know there's a movement to the east because of uh, the natural hatch that occurs there. We also know there's rivers on the North Shore that, that provide, uh, which is Canadian water, which provide a natural component. And we know they're going to move to the north as well. So what do you do in those situations when you have those fish move off? As a captain, you've got to be out there every day. You can't afford to be patient. You've got clients that come in whenever and they're looking to catch fish. Is that when you kind of just switch gears and we're going to go laker fishing today, guys? Well, we're, where I'm at in Alcott, we're not really known as a lake trout port. We are fortunate to have them in, in the early spring. They seem like they're there the, when you slide out end of winter, early spring. Uh, they're throughout the column. They're not. They're not necessarily bottom dwellers at that time. They're opportunists. Uh, they're definitely eating a lot of goby, but they'll eat emerald shiners, and they're more than happy when those alewives slide in there. Um, but they're a little more. Uh, they're a little more uh, migratory than people think because those fish definitely stack up more towards the Niagara Bar and Canadian Water, and again to the east from Oak Orchard, east to Rochester. So. We know that we have them out front and then, you know, they start moving east and west to their respective areas. But uh, lake trout for us in Alcott become more of an incidental catch after after end of May. You know, we'll catch them throughout June. But one of the things about seasonal movements regarding steelhead, there's more and more people that like to fish for steelhead. And, um, you know, we certainly have some big fish and they if you get a real, real hard winter, there will be classic steelhead fishing that takes place in the late spring, early summer relating to the surface. But if if you get a warmer winter and that lake doesn't get as, as chilled, you're not going to have that. So you're going to have a lot more. I like to say you're going to have a lot more habitat. You're going to have bug hatches all over the place. You're going to have young, young minnows scattered all over and you're not going to be able to target them as easy until the thermocline does set up and then they tend to be a, uh, a suspended fish over deep water so uh, brown trout are probably the least of the movers as far as the movement but they they definitely are fished very hard here in the end of the winter early spring again um, i get questions from anglers my 
my uh, boats are docked really close to a, a, a launch facility in Alcott. And I get asked, you know, why, you know, why are, why can't I catch browns? You know, I was here three weeks ago and my brother-in-law came in from out of state and he wants to catch a brown. Well, there's probably a bait fishing movement in there and you're competing against that. And that'll happen, you know, in the latter part of spring where they're in shallow spawning and you can, you can have the best presentation in the world, but you're up against, you know, all that, all that natural bait in there spawning. The browns don't necessarily go anywhere. So they're just pigging out on that. It comes to them and it's, it's a tough pull, you know, guys, guys pull them out of that. But it's it's different than when you come out into uh, brown trout at the end of winter and there's more more lures than than food and they're scrounging for gobies. Vince, I got a quick question for you. I'm gonna let you answer this. I actually have to run up and take care of something real quick, so I'm gonna let you answer this. This is a question from Randy Lingenfelter. Uh, he wants to know: Is it necessary to have lead core in the arsenal? Well. In my opinion, yes. Uh, lead core is a, a is a very deadly tool, particularly in the western basin. A lot of anglers in central and eastern Lake Ontario have gone to a lot more copper uh, for their auxiliary lines, what people refer to as junk lines. But presentations from from lead core in the uh, let's say the top sixty feet are they to catch a lot of fish for us. So I'm going to answer that as a resounding yes, that's the, that is very valuable. What we haven't we touched on yet migratory wise is coho salmon, and they're gonna be pretty similar to Chinook salmon, but they definitely uh, can be caught in colder water in the spring if there's food present. But again, um, if they're the bigger cohos you're looking for, they're, they're probably wintered in uh, deep water and it's going to take a little while for them to, to come out of those haunts. Let's get to another question here uh, from, from the crowd before we get back into kind of that midsummer range. Um, someone asks, what is your optimum spring water temperature when the kings show up and what surface temperature would you target? Oh, was that spring or summer, Chris? That was spring, yep. Spring water temperature when the kings show up and what surface temp would you target? So again, everything's relative. If if there's a pocket of water that's 41 degrees, which I clearly remember the last two two springs having good catches out of out of that. Um, you know, the rest of the lake is colder than that. Well, that's going to be a magnet, and especially when you start getting bait fish movements. Let's say on the Niagara Bar, and you start having bait movements come into there. Um, it's going to just, just be a, a cocktail of action there between the structure and, and the bait movements. So uh, I'm going to say, you know, once you start hitting 41 in depths deeper than 20 feet, you know, you're going to be encountering kings a lot more often. Um, but there's there's times when you're working the shoreline and you're just moving rods and, and having a good time catching the multiple species and you'll catch two or three beautiful fish in there and when that happens there's probably something there for them you know you you got a little bit of temperature and you know you, you probably got a food food source there so you know until that happens you know if it was me and a guy wants to spend some quality time uh, one one or two days a week i would i would primarily look for the warm bubbles of water and it, it's going to either be at at a river mouth or an area where the wind blew that water. It might be even five miles down the shore from that river. But if that if that collects there and you get some stability in the weather, then you know you're going to eventually be attracting uh, a fish and and multitudes of them. Stability is the key with salmon. I I say it all the time. Um, Nick, my mate's probably tired of hearing it, but Chinooks don't like to get jerked around. They like stability, and if you really want to hammer them, this you get in a time period. It doesn't matter if it's spring or summer, where you get stability, and they can have things happening on their terms. 
um, that's really when the big bites occur. Very cool. One more question. Let's get back to our timeline. Derek Ames asks, how often do you change lures on a trip? Well, that's something that over the years has certainly uh, reduced. Um, we can certainly be as guilty as anyone of creating a pile, um, but fishing day to day does help with that. Um, again, you got stability and there's no reason not to start out with what worked the morning before. So um, the guys that, that fish the Great Lakes heavily, and it does not matter if it's walleye or lake trout or, or salmon, they're going to make changes throughout the day uh, based on light intensity and maybe even the depth the fish are at. But other than that, there's no reason you know, as long as you're getting, you're getting bit. And, and, and sometimes um, you change unnecessarily, you know, there, there just may not be what you're after under the boat. So I would say over the years that that has, that has been reduced, but um, you know, as little as possible and still get the job done. But um, there's things you can do, you know, uh, there's things you can do. There's some, uh, we like to say that you enjoy the fishery more when you discover new things. So let's say you're having a great day, but you maybe haven't caught the species that you thought you should. Well, then that would require some experimentation. You know, perhaps, per, perhaps a smaller spoon up high will get that, uh, that steelhead you're looking for. Um, when, when most of the bites have been on, let's say, Dreamweaver mags. It might have been the hot bait, but boy, you really wanted to show you really wanted to show your brother-in-law a steelhead. Well, you know that would require a change. So, you know, you got to keep an open mind there. But you know, imagine the hatch goes on in the Great Lakes as much as it does in in rivers. So, you know, the the bait size is a lot of times going to dictate. And if you're matching it up, then then you're you're you've already got a big a big part of that figured out. And then you're gonna you're gonna work your colors and. And um, over the years, we discover colors that work better earlier in the morning and versus middle of the day. And and um, and that's going to necessitate a change. All right, Vince, we last left our fish. It was kind of mid to late June. What happens next as uh, as we get into midsummer? So as you get out of that. June heading into July, you're you're starting to get into. Uh, more of migratory is going to become a bigger factor not so much one of the reasons they move in the spring towards the late spring isn't just because uh that that spawning migration kicks in it's because more and more habitat becomes suitable for them so in a classic what we call a classic spring setup a band of water along the south shore is going to be the warmest and as you drive north on our lake uh you're going to get colder and colder and colder there's times where that'll hold fish because it's a rapid change it becomes a fence well the fish will move up and down those those fence lines but usually when they're hunting they're hunting for food you know they're an area and and people ask me all the time salmon school up well they, they certainly do in the fall what we call staging period end of summer but they will school up in the spring, but I don't think it's because they make an agreement and let's, hey, let's, let's live together. I think it's because they have such specific needs and likes that they find themselves and, and will you use each other, you know, the corral bait and, and create a frenzy. And that's, that's something that's unforgettable when you, for a newer angler, the first time that the boat gets taken under siege by, by Chinooks is as, as good as it gets. So, uh, as they come out of that spring period into that early summer period, now that water is warming, warming all over the lake and it's starting to really accelerate. So for a newer fisherman, he's going to have a little more trouble uh, finding the fish and getting hooked up. But over the years, we learn to anticipate that because we know that the lake is warming up and eventually the entire surface will become of no use to them. It'll be too warm and 
the bait fish won't even want to be up there. And that's usually around the time that the thermocline sets up. And again, in a typical situation, the thermocline is going to be deeper near shore and higher in the column offshore. So there's going to be trends as you enter the summer period as to where those fish want to set up. And, and when you're talking June, it can be a, still a big bite in, inside in less than 100 foot of water, but it can also be in 300 foot of water. Maybe they're on a current line um, where the bait fish are, are using to, to travel the lake. And, you know, this fish set up on it because it's there day after day and there could be a big bite out there too. So, you know, you just got to keep an open mind at that time, but you got to remember they're the fish you're, you're after the most the, the big ones they're they have an agenda. They're going to spawn and they have to put on the, the they got to put the meat on and, and they have to get bigger body size to not for our jollies, but so they're a more competitive spawner. And that's just the king, you know, the, the wild kingdom. So they're, they're feeding heavily. If you're not getting the fish, they're just not under your boat or you're doing something wrong. But, you know, location becomes a bigger factor. But they're, they're definitely cranked up. Their metabolism is cranked. And that'll go on all through the middle of the summer. But we start to see bites occur to more diverse locations. And, again, this is because there's stagers that are headed in different regions of the lake. And, uh, you know, the word gets out faster now than it, than it used to. So uh, anglers are, are able to stay on the bite and there's going to be fishing pressure on, on salmon all over the lake. And the, that's definitely by, by July, um, there's bites all over the lake. And then you may have a reduced number in your area. Doesn't mean you're necessarily doing anything wrong, but, um, you know, that, that might not be as many headed to that river. Since you said that there's kind of a time of year where that thermocline sets up and the surface portion or the, the upper portion of the water column is no good to those salmon. What is that temperature that you find where it's like, all right, it's over They're They're going to be down low at this point. That's a really good question. And that changes through the season. So in the spring, I, I would, I would say it's 60 degrees. You know, you'll still get some action with salmon in the in the mid to high 50s. But as the season wears on, we get bites in the middle of the summer and the term they're out of temp. Well, they're out of temp based on the book, the book, the, the, the favored temperatures of salmon, which was determined years ago. And and they said 55 was their favorite. We catch as many fish below and above that as we do in it. So that's just a starting point for summer salmon. But um, I'd say that the high 50s in the spring. But as the summer wears on, there's a lot of bites that will occur in the 60s, as warm as the 70 degree range. Uh, it's it's momentary, but if you're there, you know that that's going to be a, a, a you know quite a feat because they're there just for that reason. Now, as this, as the summer wears on, you're into what they call the the staging period, and we see adult salmon. Uh, they're they're acclimating to warmer and warmer water, so that spawning drive is so strong that they they won't necessarily blow out of the area if there's a big blow. They might be tougher to catch. Um, you know, if you got, let's say, 67 degrees on the bottom where they were, they won't necessarily all blow out of there, depending on the time of the year, but they're going to be tougher to catch. So it's like throwing five blankets on, you know, when you're already warm, when you're sleeping. So they get they get uncomfortable. They don't like it, um, but they're still catchable. Very cool. Let's get into uh, kind of that late summer into fall period now. What's happening there? We've already been talking about fish starting to stage up, but what happens as as that uh, staging period starts to really heat up and they, they start to head in? So th this is a time period where your electronics could be showing you lots of targets and you may feel like, you know, you don't know a thing about fishing. And we're all still learning. You know, anybody that's worth their salt learns every day they're out there. But the the uh, fall salmon 
they've become a different animal and spawning is is the main thing but there are windows of activity that are are well worth waiting on and you know it's a tough deal i mean when we fish tournaments in the fall there's times you'll go down swinging and the bite never happens they're there it might be an hour after the the you know the weigh-in period uh it's like a bullfight you're just waving at them and waving at them and waving at them and then when they snap it, it could be it could be well worth it but how long is that going to take and so that's a day-to-day -day thing what i find is the the tighter they're grouped the more apt there's going to be a big bite when they're more solitary um they they're they take on a, uh they're more like trying to catch a muskie you know it, you may, may have to make numerous passes by the same fish before he even is interested enough to follow follow it so you know when they're when the presence of others they're highly competitive even in that mode of their life so we get better bites when the fish are are schooled up even if it's a, they're in their staging spawning uh, behavior um, there's windows of activity predictably it, first thing first light is a trigger but i've seen so I had, a, uh, I had an experience off Oak Orchard, probably in the early 90s. It was terribly slow. The, the entire fleet was struggling. We knew the fish were there, um, caught them for days in that location. Nothing really changed. Uh, almost biteless by about 11, 12 o'clock. That's what the anglers wanted to pursue. They wanted to pursue the, the mature salmon. So all of a sudden on the horizon, there, there's, a, there's a thunderstorm coming. About the time you're realizing you got to pull your rods, you got four fish hooked up. So they're there. Sometimes it takes mother nature to, to fire them up. But, you know, that's, that's just part of the game at that time of year. You know, if you're if you're a hardcore salmon fisherman and you want to fish for the bigger fish, then that's what you'll do. Um, if you don't want to wait it out, you know, sometimes you can run to, to deeper water and, and, and catch feeding fish, which, you know, could could constitute a few matures that haven't moved into that period yet. But it could be immature salmon, could be steelhead, could be cohos, which typically show up later to the early stage. But uh, you know, you got to make a decision on that. And then we get a lot of derby fishermen. There's a, a lot, a lot of big derbies now on Lake Ontario and um, both U.S. and Canada has big derbies now. And, um, you know, sometimes you got to pay the price to try to catch that, that what they call derby fish. You know, you may not catch as many fish as you had hoped, but, you know, you got to make that decision. So how does that season wrap up then? We've got fish coming in. Um, what happens as the spawn is beginning? Um, what do you guys do? Are you going out and trying to catch the immature fish? Are you going after those steelhead or the Lakers or getting getting back to the Browns? What are you up to as kind of that Chinook season, at least for the mature fish, kind of tends to, to go away? So every every charter boat operator has to not only assess the the day but also the season we have years where it doesn't appear like we're going to have much of a staging uh situation even on those lean years there's going to be some fish around the river mouth or uh at the first drop off there's going to be some so what we what we do in those cases is if it's a beautiful day, the type of day that you want to be out there, um, it's it's not going to last long. You know, you don't have a lot of fish. They're not competitive, but they're catchable. And you're going to catch some early. And then you got to make a move. you got to move somewhere. Uh, so there's been years where where we would run west, you know, and there'd be a different uh, there'd be a different group of fish that were maybe a little bit behind schedule. They weren't ready to move into river mouths. Uh, but but usually you're, you're running over deeper water because that's where the bait fish are going to be reliably and you're going to you're going to fish for a mixed mixed bag. And you can be surprised too. Uh, you can encounter because uh, they're not all on the same schedule. Um, 
you know, they, they do come from different uh, gene pools and different year classes. You know, I know there's a lot to take in for a newer fisherman, but, you know, the uh, an age three Chinook might behave differently than the age two Chinook. And we're seeing a lot of two-year-old uh, mature salmon now. And my personal opinion is because of the pen projects, which are a godsend uh, because they, they reduce predation on the, on the fingerling salmon, but uh, they get a head, they get a jump start because they're, they're in a pen and they're getting fed in a pen. So they're a little bigger, you know, when they first hit the lake. So they, they sometimes are in a position to mature early and they've been a contributor to, to our fishery because when we talk about naturalized Chinooks, they're not going to run every river. So you're, your pen projects and uh, thanks to volunteerism all over the lake on both both sides uh, are going to be vital to respective harbors. But uh, to answer your question, most times we're going to fish early for the mature salmon and then we're going to move off and fish for feeding fish, which is going to be a mixed bag of, of younger salmon and steelhead. Very cool. I think we've kind of reached the end of our calendar, unless you've got something else to talk about as far as seasonal movements. I got a couple extra questions for you, but uh, tell me a little bit. Are we are we done with the calendar? Do you feel like we've put those guys to bed? Do you want to talk about what happens uh, to those fish as we get into November and December? Sure, I can do that. Um, you know, unless you had any any questions that were pressing, but uh, uh, I would say that it that's another another way that I've seen the fishery change a little bit um and why these fish aren't as adverse to the cold water as they were um and again i think it's adaptability whether it be the naturalized salmon or whether it's the generations of of hatchery fish that have adapted over the years either case it's a good thing because you know survival of the fittest and they can better navigate what's thrown at them whether it be you know exotics or or lamprey or temperature changes but they're it's not as cut and dry as we were once told and we see fish around that same niagara bar in the late fall as long as it hasn't turned really really cold and they do they do disappear i mean we got guys out there trying to pull them in november and december um there's a lot a lot of people jigging for them and things like that but if that water takes a sharp downturn that all ceases so we do know that they still they'll still avoid that in Lake Ontario but like I said early early on um, you know in places like Lake Huron and Georgian Bay that the, they're encountering those fish in much colder water so we know that they can adapt they just don't have to in, in Ontario they do have bait fish out deep so you know, you got to keep an open mind as the as the years go by to, to continue to catch the fish. But so uh, we are expecting more big fish this year. Um, we were fortunate to have a client uh, take a 31 pound um, male last year. It was four and a half years old and it was during the lock derby. And everybody was out there trying to catch that fish. Um, we expect a few more of those this year. Um, we saw some big immature fish uh, late in the fall um, that should be pushing that size and then some. And with the warm fall where they did a lot of growing, um, and again, not a super hard winter, we're gonna get the temperature quick here now. Um, we expect some big fish in the system. Yeah, so a lot of big fish and really Lake Ontario, if you go online over the last few years, you're seeing that it's kind of the good old days as far as fishing out there right now. A lot of great fish being caught. You talked about those pen projects just a little while ago, but what else is happening around the lake that has kind of brought this fishery to where it's at now, where it's it's a world-class fishery? Awareness. Awareness has done it. Um, you know, just even handling of the fish uh, you know skipper salmon you hear that term i got a skipper uh you know there were i remember a time where it was a very annoying to guys to get skippers um and they were they were they were rough with them well 
those fish are your, those are survivors. They hit that size, which could be as little as 14 inches, uh, you know, up to 18, 19 inches. They hit that size, they are going to be a contributor to your fishery. So if you think about it, in one year, that's the, the biggest jump they make. They go from, you know, one to two pounds to six to 14 pounds in, in, in one year. So that is their biggest jump. And so, you know, people are using more care when they're releasing the skippers. You know, sometimes it's a pain. They get a, a, all three hooks embedded in their jaws and, and you know, you don't want to give them a death grip. You don't want to grab their gills. You know, you, know, you just got to take your time, work one barb out at a time. And it it's working because we catch a good amount of adult salmon with a, with a, well, people call them a hair lip or whatever, where their, their jaw is a little bit deformed, but you know, they survive that as long as you're not, they're not bleeding, they survive that. And if they rip a gill, well, you know, that New York was smart enough to leave the minimum uh, at 15 inches. You know, if they rip a gill, I mean, that's a good table fare. It's not, you know, no, no use wasting it, but you know, if not, people being aware of the, of the situation, using more care, uh, guys, uh, Guys that are derby fishing or catch a, a a big steelhead and 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 it's not going to win them anything. They'll they'll take the time to revive the fish and get it down so it can survive. Um, there there's people that are taking the time with a with like a boga type grip and will tow them behind the boat a little ways until they get their wits about them and go down. Because if you just crash it overboard, a lot of times the you know the birds will peck at them and and it's it's you know they'll float momentarily, but you know, just awareness in the fishery and loving the fishery. You know, the brown trout do take a beating on this lake. Um, they're they're near shore, so they're they're getting charter boats and the trailerable boats. But more and more guys are are realizing, you know, those early fish are spawned out fish from the fall before, and they need time to recover. And you know, they're they're taking more care when they release those fish. And so, I would say that's the big thing. And and then of course. Uh, you know, the volunteerism, being there when the truck arrives, you know, it, it's little things, you know, the pipe going in um, over the years. Now, I don't, I don't want to point any fingers because, you know, the D.C. does a good job with what they can can do. But little things that they might not notice that, you know, the pipe is pointed at a docked boat and the fish are caroming off the hull. You know, you know, that's a, that's a bad situation. So you know, just point it out to them, have them move the pipe a little bit. Um, you know, give them a hand when they when they need volunteers. You know, right now they're, they're trying to keep volunteers to a minimum because of what's going on, but there's always a need, you know, when we're not in the COVID era, there's always a need for helping with the deliveries and being there and keeping an eye on the temperatures. You know, the general rule with uh, Pacific salmon on pond delivery is that it's not more than 10 degrees different from the truck to the tank because, you know, you're basically going to kill them when they hit the water. So, you know, they have protocols to follow, but they don't always, uh, they, let's just say they're not always aware of it. Same thing with bird presence. You know, we're, we're allowed to harass them when the cormorants are trying to feed on our, our stocky. So volunteers will take the time to to do what's legal and, and get them out of the area so they have a, have a chance. Uh, moving your releases to evening periods so they get less predation that way. You know, we're all in it together to try to maximize what we can do. And in the meantime, uh, in, in my lifetime, I've never seen the Great Lakes healthier. Uh, it's just mind boggling what's going on all over the Great Lakes and we need to celebrate it. And one of the things that's always bothered me is Pacific, Pacific salmon are not recognized as the hero that they are. Uh, you know, I'd like to see our own DEC educate the public that without Chinook salmon controlling the alewives, which you could not possibly escape in the in the mid 70s and early 70s, you could not get out of there. They were everywhere. They they fouled everything. You couldn't catch a fish out of it. Well, when they introduced the salmon, it started controlling the alewives. So you have a chance to have naturalized lake trout hatches. You have a chance for walleye hatches. You have a chance for perch hatches. And we're seeing that. So we've controlled the yellow ives enough that the whole entire system is healthier. Um, you know, the, 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 the flesh and the fish that, 
that we're getting out there now is, is highly desirable. You know, there was a period in the late 70s where it was a lot fattier and uh, people didn't like the taste of it as much. But now, I mean, the system is, is, is great. And, you know, you look out through the Great Lakes. I mean, Lake Erie, has there ever been more walleyes in that lake? And there's exciting things going on in parts of Lake Michigan. And, um, you know, Huron has it's, its own story. I mean, there's a varied fishery up there with walleyes and, and, um, and naturalized lake trout fishing. And now I'm hearing about coho fishing coming back up there. So it, there's a lot of good things going on. And, um, you know, just get out and use the resource. And one of these years, I'm going to make it over to, to Lake Superior because, uh, you know, I, I, I hear about these giant, giant lake trout over there. Yeah, they're getting them, and it's pretty cool to see. And they're just they're just gorgeous fish when I see them come out of there. So, and they're gorgeous everywhere. But but I love them out of there. Just I, I'm close to Lake Superior, so it's close to my heart too. Vince, uh, it was so great for you to join us today, and um, you spent almost an hour with us. Is there something that else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? Um, you know, just kind of touch on a little more what I, what I was just uh, closing with there. You know. I'm really, really pleased with the the amount of younger anglers in the last few years that are getting into to our sport. Um, the, the 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 improvements in the aluminum boats, uh, you know, so they can buy a trailable rig and be able to fish, you know, uh, multiple species uh, is is allowing it and tow them with um, smaller vehicles and things like that, but. What I'd like to see is is those those guys take a bigger role in you know being involved and and uh, and show they care. You know when we have what we call state of the lake meetings and things like that where the biologists do presentations, it's usually skewed with um with with, with older anglers and we don't see the youth in in those meetings. But I try to. I try to convey to our managers just how important some of the species are, you know, like coho salmon, you know, there's a Pacific salmon that anglers can catch off piers in the spring. Um, you know, and I was one of those that rode a bike down and cast it off the piers. So that was when the fishery was getting, getting started. And, and I know what it means to these, to these guys and steelhead returns to the local stream here. Uh, are a big deal. I mean, the, the they're down there on their breaks and, and they're fishing for them and learning ethics. And I just like to see those guys, you know, be good caretakers going into the future. Great stuff, Vince. I really appreciate again you spending so much time with us today and doing this live. I know it's a little bit. We ran into a few little hiccups, but I think everything went well. We actually had a really great audience. A lot of people uh, watching today, and a lot of people uh, messaging and, and leaving comments and and asking questions. Jamie Ryan, you're going to win the swag bag, so go ahead and send us a private message uh, at the Fishhawk page, and we'll get your swag bag out to you. But uh, once again, if you want to find out more about Vince, you can go to his website. It's teamthrillseeker.com. He's also on Facebook as well. Uh, Vince, Captain Vince Perrioni, thanks so much once again. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.